Welcome to Culture Plan B. My name is David Jubb. I'm a producer. I used to work at Battersea Arts Centre and I've escaped from my kids for an hour to make this first episode in which I will not be interviewing David Tennant, Helen Mirren or Nick Heitner. Instead, Culture Plan B will be meeting with artists and communities who create culture outside big cultural institutions like most people do. Today I get to meet Conrad Murray, artist, director, community leader and all-time inspiration for me and thousands of others. I want to hear more about Conrad's work and what COVID-19 has meant for his practice and what he thinks about the future of funding and support for arts and creativity. Now the government has set out a rescue package for the sector and the Secretary of State has made it clear that it is primarily for preserving cultural institutions, it feels more important than ever to hear from independent artists and communities about what they think should happen next. After all, let's remember it is independent artists and communities who are responsible for the big leaps forward in contemporary culture. From immersive theatre to street dance to grime to spoken word to craftivism. Yes, it's true that artistic movements are not cooked up in the business plans of cultural institutions. They are created by independent artists and communities. I spoke to Conrad just before the government made its announcement and he's got some great ideas about how to distribute arts funding, which we explore after hearing about his own practice and the communities he works with. If you have an idea for someone to feature in one of these podcasts or you want to create your own episode of Culture Plan B, then just get in touch with us at cultureplanb at gmail.com. I hope you enjoy this first episode. So, welcome, Conrad. Hey. Hello. Hey, you all right? How's it going? Where are you today? Uh, I'm in the middle of my flat. It's kind of make up, makeshift uh, desk space also with the kitchen behind me. So It's very nice. That cooker looks good. Uh, so you've got a long history of making shows uh, in the early days uh, through your company TDC, including Hitler wrote 20 pop songs, which I remember very fondly. Yeah, yeah. Since then, you've worked a lot with Paul Cree, your company Beats and Elements. You've created shows like No Milk for the Foxes, which I'm very glad to see is in the Guardian top pick today, digital culture oh, lockdown. <laughs> I, High Rise is, I just found out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> in. It's, it's just gone up. High Rise, The State of the Mind, uh, another show. And obviously, you've created your own solo work, such as Denmark. And then, of course, we've connected a lot as you as the director of the BSE Beatbox Academy for over 10 years, uh, working with young people from around South London. You've taken the academy and those young people to Latitudes Festival, to Royal Festival Hall, on TV with Gareth Malone, co-directed the Academy's smash hit Frankenstein, one of my favourite shows of all time. And as well as drawing inspiration from yeah hip hop, beatboxing to create theatre, you also have your own record label, Rhodium Records, and you write, produce and engineer new music. Indeed, the theme tune for Culture Plan B is one of your collaborations with Kate and Nathan. Yes, Kevin. yes, great, full blessed. So it seems entirely appropriate that you're our first guest on Culture Plan B, and I'm I'm truly honoured uh, to get to talk to you, so so thank you. Oh, good, man, I'm excited. Great to chat. So the reason why I'm excited to talk to you is because of your practice as an artist who doesn't, from my perspective make a division between what professional and community work is. It's all work. Mm -hmm. You can see that, I think, in Frankenstein, which, if anyone hasn't seen it, is this sensationally good, well-being show, where the first thing that happens is that we meet members of the Academy, who I think it's fair to say are earlier on in their journey of beatboxing <laughs> than the performers who we then see in, in the show. And... What comes across so clearly to us as an audience is that all of the young people are collaborators for you. So rather than creating some sort of artificial divide between 
you know, professional artists and community artists, it feels like that's almost almost meaningless. Is that is that fair? Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Is that how you see totally it? true? That we're all they're all, they're all artists and they're all part of the community, which is all the same thing. Could you tell me a bit more about the Beatbox Academy? Sort of how 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 does it what is it? How does it work? So if people don't know about it, um, it's a group that runs uh, each week on a Thursday, sometimes on extra days, but uh, regular days on a Thursday. Any anyone can come from around. You know, twelve to go upwards, and we 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 learn to to beatbox, make sounds of our mouths, um, little beatbox sounds. But also, we're mixing with the beatbox sounds. We add on on singing and rapping, um, and tell stories to each other. People share a bit about their day. We often use that to kind of create the little pieces that we do each week, and we we kind of re- repeat the same exercise each week and kind of trying to mo- mo- slowly move them on. For some of the kids, it's a bit like a, a, a group just to make mates and have, have make memories and hang out and chill out. Uh, but whilst making these these beatboxings, which which can be theatre or can be music, uh, it's, it's it's different to each young person that comes. Um, but but for us, it's just having a lot of fun and hopefully and maybe you might create you might create some interesting stuff as well. I remember you told me a story once about the chip shop that that was a kind of key element of it, and particularly for some of the young people who used to remember that the chip shop was the was actually their favourite bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was really weird. It was like, oh, you know, why can't it be like it used to be? It used to be like um, so like uh, the, so much fun. I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, remember, we used to walk us down to the chip shop. We always to go together. And these were the older ones. These guys were in the like, you know, 22, 23, maybe a bit older than that. And it was like, hey, we can still do that, but we don't do that anymore because you're a bit older now. Like, <laughs> actually, I was kind of just chaperoning everyone to the shop, but for them, it's a massive moment because we all go together and eat chips together, and like, and like they, you know, and along the way, like they're they're all chatting and make friends, and they get crushes with each other, and like, you know, argue over, you know, who's gonna, oh, I've got chips, and can we share? I love a bit of your savoir, I love your chips, whatever. <laughs> it, it becomes a whole thing in itself, and the beatboxing. Gave the chips meaning and vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> and you've you've also I want to ask you about the other academies that you've sort of set up, the kind of satellite academies, because I think one of the things that often happens within the cultural sector is that you know in terms of this territory of work where artists are working in partnership with communities and creating stuff and making stuff is that we often if and when we get to hear about it in in either in the media, in the art sector media, or indeed just within the sector, like at kind of conferences and stuff like that, you tend to get to hear about it when it's sort of reached a certain level. Like when you've got a Frankenstein or you've got, you know, but actually what we don't necessarily always get to hear is what are those early sort of set up days. And I know you've, as part of the collaborative touring networks, worked in Gloucester and helped sort of establish and set up other academies as well as the one in Battersea. And I'd just love to hear a bit about what's that what's that process like? How does that work for you in terms of your, yeah, in terms of uh, as an artist, how that works, but also as a human being, how that works? What Yeah, what's it like? I think I think initially the it's never kind of like um, to set up an academy. It's kind of come and meet our young people. You know, come and be you, comrade, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what... Uh, and and ho- and hopefully something musical might happen or something will come from it. Um, and I remember uh, I went to Gloucester where I met some people that are on tour, and uh, they'd just got some of their young their young people together, and um, I'd show them some beats, show them some sounds. And I remember quite in one of the sessions that we did, um, I said, "Oh, you know, I, what we're going to do for this activity is everyone's going to go off and record stuff on their phones." And I remember like a few people were, like staring at me like, "What?" <laughs> Thinking, what? What's the, what's the what's the problem? And then when I looked down, it was like, oh, they they had these brick phones. You know, I I assumed that everyone would have a smartphone, but there's different contexts and different mm. places. And um, you know, we've quite it's quite a mixed group there, and we worked with worked with some uh, kids, and they and and some people that are quite older actually. That mm. you know, even the producers were like, you know, the, these guys are they too old to do this? But one thing I'd, I'd realized is that. These guys have never had any any kind of access to any practitioners or any kind of like anything to 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 make them seem that their ideas were actual an artistic practice. It was like, yeah, I write raps in my in my in my bedroom, and it's like, no, you have you have so many amazing pieces memorized, like hundreds, hundreds. Yeah, kind of you know, I, I, yeah, I do a bit of beatbox here, but there was kind of their confidence was quite low, and and just by putting them together, they they all thought that they were soloists because they'd never been put side by side with something else before. 
Um, and then once you know, I was putting them together, it was like a magic trick. It was like, oh, you do this, and now you do this. It's like, wow, this is amazing. But it's like, I'm not really doing much. You guys already have these skills to do this. And they ended up, um, become, that, that initial group ended up becoming a group that met regularly uh, each week. And they've like um they've they've gone on to like support like so solid um support I think like Skepta done some fest some sick stuff that I'd love to do I'm like wow that's pretty sick <laughs> I'm like wow um and the, you know they they they've kept going and I guess they 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 already knew that they had some music skills and I think that the hope was that I would help to kind of unlock those skills and put them together but I've also met a different group in Gloucester whereas. There was no, we don't have, we had no, not, the only knowledge we had of these young people was that they were all about to get arrested. They were selling lots of drugs and they were get, basically a gang uh, in, in Gloucester. I wasn't told that so specifically at first. I was like, you know, come, will you come, you know, you, you know, will you come and do your thing here? You know, be an artist, meet some of the young, young people here. There's some particularly boys here we feel like you should meet. Oh, okay, so what am I doing exactly? And like, oh, you, you know, just being you, doing your thing. Okay, so we're beatboxing, we're rapping. All right, and I could always tell there wasn't there wasn't something so concrete about this. It wasn't mm. like, you know, in the past it was come do a workshop or like you know sure, we'll have a microphone set up. So I go I go to, I go to Gloucester and we, we drive to this estate and um, I remember okay so we, we've we've bought all these pizzas and we're gonna put them in a car for you and, um, and there they are they're over there and look over there and it's just like you know, this kind of loads of people hanging around in the park <laughs> around, around a particular spot. Mm. I'm like. What am I doing? Where's the... Cause I hadn't thought to really... Because I was assuming there'd be a centre, lights. Oh, no, we've got some keys for a centre over there, but they have they don't know anything about all that. They just hang out over there. Mm. All right. So I remember, I remember getting out of the car, walking over, thinking, like, fucking hell, what am I doing? <laughs> like, I'm on this random estate, and there's all these, like, teenagers hanging out. Um, who, like, what the fuck... What am I going to do? Mm. So I walk, I walk, I walk over there. And I've got to be like, cool, yeah, good, yeah. And they're like, right, yeah, cool, safe, 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 bliss, bliss. And they're thinking, fuck, like, um, and then so they must have think I was a cop or something because then all of a sudden they all look at they all look at each other and they all leave. They all, all of them, the whole group leave. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, fuck this right up. And also, what was that? What was I gonna say? Mm. Um, and I remember the producer gave me a line. And they and the thing is, the produ- they're they're so amazing. These guys that you're for, they're making it up themselves. They mm. actually just wanted to. Mm. Basically, these kids are so at risk of getting arrested. They're like, we need an intervention because the police mm. have said we can only let them get away with what they're doing for so long because they were selling they were selling drugs um, on the estate. Anyway, so one kid comes late, comes over, but I don't. This spot where I was was their spot, so he immediately they only stay there. No one else goes there. So he comes over. He's like, oh, where's Mickey? Where's Tommy? I'm like, oh, they're, they're gone, you know. Is it? You cool? Cause I didn't want him to go. I'm thinking, okay. I was like, oh, you know, I got some pizzas, you know. I'm thinking, oh, why did I say that? Why did I say that? <laughs> anyway, I said, what? You got pizza? What you got pizzas for? I'm like, I just got some pizza. So I had like ten Domino pizzas, which is a lot of money's worth of pizzas. <laughs> but the thing is, I can see him looking like, and it's kind of this is weird, but also like these kids look like they needed some food as well. They look mm. like you could tell that they needed mm. food. So get a pizza. He starts eating on his pizza, calling his calling his mates, and he calls them back. So they all come back round. So they all eventually they start filtering back round, coming back. What what what? Acting like they don't want the pizza. Give me the pizza then, and they're eating mm. the pizza. So then I just had to kind of like, yeah yeah, man's got some pizza in it. Yeah yeah, oh, okay okay. What well, why you got pizza for? Ah, oh, I just just thought I could bring some pizza. Like just hanging out, get to know you guys. Ah oh, okay cool cool cool. And then I remember I had this I had this line in my in my mind. I'm thinking because they said. Ask them, what do you think? Of, what do you think of Gloucester? And I should have thought better, but it's because because you know when you're in someone else's group or or or, yeah. or a gang, it's like really hard. You start like having to think on your feet, and it's like so all of a sudden I come out of. So what do you think of Gloucester? And they all look at each other like, what the fuck is going on? Because wh- who who says that? Like that's a big question. And I see them looking, but then they but then they do start saying it's shit in it. It's dead. It's rubbish. It's rubbish. No one listens to you. And while we're having these conversations, very calmly, people are coming along. As we're just talking, eating pizza. Mm. And there's a girl there who has a massive bag of drugs and, a, and like stacks of money. Um, and then actually selling drugs while I'm with them, like like drugs. Mm. And these are kids. These are young. Some of them are like 13, some are 15, 16. 
thinking, yo, yo, like, yo, like, I got a DBS. Am I gonna, am I gonna be okay here? Because mm-hmm. you know, from the outside world, I'm just actually here with a gang. Mm. Um, but anyway, so when I say our house Gloucester, and they're like, oh shit, shit, then then there's nothing to do. There's nothing to do. And I'm like, oh, what would you like to do? And then someone goes, oh he, oh so and so, I can't remember. Oh, oh, oh he, he likes rapping, you know. And they're all laughing. Oh yeah, he likes rapping. So then, so then. What like a lot of kids do? Look, most kids will rap or beatbox or mm. come out of rhymes or sing. So anyway, he's like, okay, I'll show you, I'll show you. So he starts rapping from his phone, and then I start beatboxing along with it. And then all the kids are like, "Wow, what's this? What's mm. this?" And then I was like, "Yeah, oh yeah, like I do beatboxing, rare, rare, rare. Um, so then, they, so then some a couple of others say, oh, "I've got some lyrics as well. I've got some lyrics as well," you know. So the session ends, and I go back the next week, and each week I'm having to like kind of um, engage with these, these which is a, a gang. And although it can, it sounds like, you know, yes, they were selling drugs, but they were getting given these drugs by a lot of older boys and men. And they were actually super, super vulnerable. And one thing I noticed is once they met someone who was a, a beatboxer, a rapper, they were coming back with more raps, more things to show. They were like really engaged by that. And one week I was told, I can't remember what his name was. It was like, oh, he's the ringleader. Like we need to get him on site. I hadn't seen him. But... There was a guy who was walking through this date and he, I was from a distance. Look, I'm like, oh, there's, there's, I can't remember what his name is now. Oh, there's Mickey. I'm thinking, oh, who's that? As he's walking forward from the distance, he's like that, pointing right at me, looking right at me. I'm thinking, oh, all right, hi, Mickey. I'm thinking, oh, hi, Mickey. Why, why is he doing that? The whole, he, from the distance, he's walking like that. I'm thinking, what's happening? Oh, oh God. And like each each week, I was I would be thinking, well, this is, this is, this is nuts. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but you know, I, I trust the people, the, the, the producers. They lived on the estate. They, they wanted to like work with these kids. But as he comes forward, he was like, "I know you. I know you." I'm thinking, "What's he? I don't know. Like, what's he gonna say? Mm-hmm. What's he gonna say? Um, that I don't know, that I don't live in. I'm ten years older than these guys. <laughs> like, what's he gonna come out with?" <laughs> and then he comes forward and he's like, "This guy's a rapper, you know. He's a rapper and a beatboxer." <laughs> and then I'm thinking, and he's like the ringleader. Like, he's sick. He's sick. I sh- he performed in our estate a couple of years ago which I had done. Right. And then all of them were like, what, what, what? And it made them all immediately change. They were already kind of engaging, but they were slightly slightly reserved. Yeah. And it kind of helped with second, the ringleader was like, no, he's bad, man, he's bad. And they were like, oh, okay, okay. And then I was able to drop, I kept trying to mention that I've got the keys to this massive center mm. on the estate, which was unused. No one mm. on the estate would go in there mm. because it was seen as bad because it was near where the, 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 the young people hung out. So when we went in there, each week what I'd do is, I'd set up some mics, set up my computer up that was mm-hmm. would go unused. They'd go and I'd have to pack it down. So the week we went in there, like, when we go in there, obviously they think, what's all this? Why is there like a laptop in there? Why is there mics in there? I'm like, oh, I just, I just thought I'd set up for you, lot, <laughs> innit? Like, oh, okay, okay. But but, but it, it kind of helped because this process of trust was kind of gaining. Yeah. Again, you know, and uh, they, they, they'd have their lyrics, they'd be selling their drugs. When we go into the into the centre, we'd start like recording, like I'd... Like, I'd start recording passing the mic and some of them would would they'd always they'd know they, they started to learn what time i'd be there at first they'd be like you know i'm gonna be here for two i'll be here at three o'clock say and they'd be like yeah whatever three o'clock whatever i won't be there i won't be there but at half three they'd be there the one thing to start noticing is that like at 10 to 3 at like you know half an hour early where are you comrade they're wait, waiting and it's like but they're early because they're looking for something to do yeah and like one of the kids who was clearly like very very troubled you know, he had he starts coming with loads and loads of lyrics, like a whole pack of lyrics. I'm thinking that he'd written from the week before. Now these were kids that were four, they were getting accused of vandalizing the estate, troublemakers, so on jobs, but they hadn't been given anything to do. Now they've got like loads of lyrics, they're all creating. Mm. They're like, oh, watch, I've been practicing my beats all week. And you realize, wow, these are kids from the outside world. They could they could you know, even when I first walked towards them, I thought, mm. okay, what's this gonna be like? But they just they were just kids. But then now they were coming prepared with beats, prepared with lyrics, super excited. And on the street, I couldn't say anything. I couldn't be like, okay, guys, calm down now. I'm talking now. I'd have to have just little one-on-one conversations and hope to catch. And they'd all kind of chime in and then chime out. Once we're in the center and they'd queued up and each person wants me to hear their lyrics before, there was no horror. I wasn't I wasn't in charge before. I was just there. It was like, comrade speaking, comrades, what, 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 what are we doing today? What are we doing now? And it was like wow, because now and 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 they were young adults again. They were, they were kids again, and they were working towards something. And you you could see that that they they some of them been working all week, and 
when I say, you know, eventually it'd be like, you can't bring, you can't, you could bring in other things. You can't bring drugs in here. Let's cut down on the swearing. Let's cut down on the, you know, on the um, misogynistic language. Oh, what's that then? Well, you know, you keep like cussing the girl. You keep saying inappropriate things. Now, it can, you know, I'm sure there's some people that are, oh, these people sound, they sound like drug dealers. You're saying, but they haven't been, yeah, they, they, you're saying that they were using misogynistic language. You're saying they were getting arrested, but they hadn't been, if you're not shown these things, when are you going to know? When are you going to know? And some of them were already living together at like 15, 14. It's like, where are your parents at that age? Ages? Mm -hmm. Like, it was actually heartbreaking. And like, they looked hard. If you saw them, you, it, I, I'm sure anyone that walking down the street would be like, yo, they're, like, they're hard, like, they're well hard. They're you know they they've got it all worked out. They don't, they don't want, they don't like me. They don't want to be part of society. Honestly, one of the weeks we just said to one so to say okay guys, I'm gonna ask you I'm gonna ask you a question now. Uh, how was your week, mate? You'd see tears coming down their face, bursting mm. out in tears. But these were mm. hard. Like the, one of the girls was crying. This girl, she was like the hard one. She was the one that held mm. you know, had all the drugs, had all the money. And you realize no one. No one asked you this. No one, mm. whoever asks mm. these, these young people and, and, and gives them an outlet to write lyrics about it. What's it like as an, as an artist holding that kind of space? Because, I mean, yeah, it's, there's a lot of responsibility, isn't it? And obviously there are, you know, codes of conduct and child protection policies and all of those things which organisations and individual practitioners use and rely on. But actually they don't, you know, when you're in a space like that and that is going on, what does that, how does that feel? Do you take, and, and do you take that home? Does that, you know, what's that like? It's a lot. You, you, you feel a lot of responsibility and you worry about them. But it gives you, it gives your work, like, wow, like, I thought I was just a rapper on a beatboxer. But mm. I'm a, I really am a rapper. Like, I really am. <laughs> like, that, this is what it's supposed to do, right? Like, people talk about, like, Yo, the, the, these beats are going to change. Like, these beats are so hard. Like, the mm. vibrations are felt when I leave. The the lyrics are, are really felt. Mm. It gives the work much more meaning and much more value and mm. impact. Mm. You're like, wow, this is what it's supposed to do. This is what it is supposed mm. to do. And and the thing is, one thing I haven't mentioned is that they were amazing rappers. Like, so, so good. Like, much better than me. Like, so good. I was thinking, wow, <laughs> these guys are sick. And uh, some of the people that come along, because some of them would dip in and, and dip out, were so, so good. And be like, you could see that they, they had no confidence. Mm. And you're like, you're better than, like, a lot of professionally trained singers that I've met. Because they would, they would sing and rap. Because they're just doing it to themselves. And it was like, for themselves. And at those moments, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, this could be on stage, this could be amazing. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, it was that moment that we were in that youth centre. But it was a moment, a real moment mm. that will be meaningful. I know that that will be meaningful to them. It was meaningful to me. And I also grew up on a state and had a few of those moments. And I, I, I still remember what they meant to me. Do you know what I mean? Where I, when I, I remember thinking, like, maybe I'm not a piece of shit. Like, maybe, I never had anyone do beatbox and rap. We did, we, I remember one time, me, my brother, and my friend James, there was people doing circus skills. We're like, what the fuck is this, circus skills? No way. And they're like, hey guys, why don't you come over here? And it was like, no way, no way. That's rubbish. And they're like, come over, come over here, come over here. And it was like, no, no. And, they'd be, and we're thinking, what? We're being, the more aggressive we're being, they're being even more nice. And then it was like, oh, boy, for jokes here, for jokes here, should we just go over there? Just, just for like one minute, should we go over there? And no, no one's engaged. Oh, let's go over there. These, these, these guys are foolish. Why are they so happy for? Why are they so happy for? And then we go over there and it's like, they're being super nice. Oh, this is rubbish. Go on, just, just hold this thing here. No, just hold it. Okay, I'll hold it then. I'll go, hold it. I'm, you're going to throw it in the air. I'm going to catch it. Oh, okay. Uh, and you're thinking, ah, oh, like, that was quite cool. <laughs> that was all right. And I remember the thing was this, this, this mini tightrope that was like just off the ground. And it was like, oh, get, step on that. It's going to be quite hard. But this is what people do. On t and it's like, oh, no, no, this is going to be... This is going to be rubbish. And I remember holding this thing, getting on the tightrope. I was kind of th then in control, but not in control. Doing this thing, like kind of like having to trust this 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 thing. And I remember changing. I remember thinking like, this is, something's different happened now. I hated you guys. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> but for some reason, you've brought us over here. I've like totally embarrassed myself in front of my brother and my mate, who want to be cool. And like, why are you doing this also? It was like, why? I, I couldn't understand. Why? Are you still being nice to us? Mm. Why are you doing this? Um, so I, I know that though, like interacting with the young people in that way, the 
even though that this was circus, you know, and I never went into circus. It was the process of because it couldn't have just been. I didn't need to be doing beatboxing or rap. It could have been something else. So why do you do it now? Because you are you are one of those really nice people. You, you're like who offers people pizzas and yeah, yeah, and the, and the keys to their local community center. And you are you you know, and I've seen you that your warmth and energy and positivity and spirit is just something to behold. So. What, yeah, you ask them, why, why are you doing this? Why, why do you do it? I guess I, I just see that, that if I don't do it, I always feel like, who will? Do you know what I mean? Like, and you have to, you have to do it also. There's something in you that compels you to go. Like, even, even there were weeks where, you know, some of the young people we, you can't, who, who are really, really great, ended up in prison for you know, quite, a, quite, a, uh, quite a serious crime whilst we were doing it. And there were weeks where, I, where I, it was like, wow, and like, should I go? Should I go back there? Mm, like, mm, but I had to go back there. It's what I do. This is what I do. Sometimes I fall at service of what I do as well. Like mm. this is, if I've been I've been given this gift and this tool, then I should be using it for for a purpose. It doesn't make me any less a rapper or any less a beatboxer. So I still I can still do that. But I also mm. need to be using it and as a conduit. Maybe they'll never beatbox again or rap again, but they might do digital editing skills. They might they, they hey this might just be a beautiful memory for them. Mm. Um, where an adult trusted them, even around them being like really aggressive, even around all that, they saw, they still saw that you they were a person. That's a lot, and it's not, it's not easy. To, it's not easy to do. It. It's not always easy for me. I, I was quite intimidated at first. It could have been a disaster. Mm-hmm. It could have just been me sitting there not talking, or mm-hmm. it could have many ways it could have panned out. But it is you that makes it not that because I think you're right for all of those reasons and probably a load more. It could have been a car crash, but actually it wasn't. And I do think there's something about your practice and indeed practitioners who work in this territory that it is about the the sort of kind of the spirit of the way that the invitation is made that I always loved the fact that Beatbox Academy has got like huge humour. Um, it's funny. It's really funny. And the way that you interact with people also brings out their humorous side, which sort of the way when you were talking just then about the Gloucester crew, it's like a, you bring out people's soft side, you bring out people's vulnerability, you bring out people's ability to not be the, you know, the kind of front that we all have our own versions of presenting, but you sort of enable the sort of soft underbelly of each person to kind of like come out. And I think that is a, that's a sort of an amazing thing. And I've, I remember at Batsy, there was a, parents wrote me letters from who came from the Beatbox Academy, sort of people who's, you know, Who's, they were watching their children in the formal education system beginning to fail. So, you know, they, they, their kids would either be sort of being complained about by the school or they would be starting to not attend or they would be worried about their own kind of mental health in terms of coming away from school. And and people would write about the fact that when they met, you know, when their sons or daughters or met the met you and met the academy that they kind of found a, a like an almost like another sort of family another home another a place where they did fit and what always struck me is that actually when you looked at the beatbox academy it, it was never a group of young people that should have fitted together you know no. in, in, in one's <laughs> conventional sense of oh you found a community that you fit into it, it yeah. was like it was the most extraordinarily diverse group of young people and i don't mean diverse in the way it's used in the arts and culture in terms of them a lot of them being black or a lot of them coming from a minority background i mean like there were kids from private schools in there there were kids from yeah minority backgrounds there were working class kids there were kids that were into you know so many different things and it just felt like it was genuine it was like a genuinely unusual group of people that you couldn't (laughs) imagine would be together in any other moment really you know, I think part of that is just being quite honest and open and not, there's no end point. There's no, there's no, like, I don't have a remit or I don't, I don't, tar- I don't think this is targeted. It's like, it's for all people. It's for all, which can sound, you know, a bit cliche and trite, but the truth is, I think a lot of things are quite targeted or people look for their people or people that mm. are like them. Mm. But for me, it's like people that are open to come and hang out. And the thing is quite open to the fact that you haven't got, it's called the Beatbox Academy. You've got to be. You just got to be able to tolerate beatboxing and and hopefully really like it. But it doesn't mean you have to beatbox. We've had people come week in week out and just barely say a few words and not beatbox. They obviously love it because they're hearing it all the time. But I'm quite open with the fact that I'm not trying to to target any specific or particular group. Mm. And I think that that is 
to me, that's quite brave, actually. I, I feel like there's a lot of... I don't try and, I'm not trying to look good. I'm not trying to impress anyone. I, I, if, we, if we're doing a workshop or whatever, it's for the it's for the moment of in what we're doing. Mm. If it happens to look good for someone else, then good. If it happens to sound crap to someone else, then that's good. I don't care mm. about that. It's only about what we're doing. Um, and that's why we keep going. That's why it, it keeps going. I think the second that we really start to care about like the end point or like the the finished product main like like mainly then we'll start it will not be as as successful as Mm. it is so how does so this is probably a perverse question to ask then but how does something then like frankenstein grow out of that because that because frankenstein is yeah it's a world-class show it's going to be on bbc telly later this year if covid wasn't happening right now i'm sure it would be touring all over the world and you know hundreds of thousands of people will want to connect with it and see it and that is something that you know des- you know west end producers you know people are that's what they're stri- striving to make kind of shows that loads and thousands and thousands of people want to see but that wasn't the objective no and the the people that are in the cast now people see it and it still makes me laugh and makes because people because they're seen as artists and like you know amazing vocalists beatboxers like the most talented you know young people that you're gonna you're gonna meet create like creating just original sounds and experiences but these were not why it makes me laugh and I I, I accept that they were made they're absolutely amazing but so are all the kids that we work with I think that if if you look at Frankenstein with the same way you come and look at just a normal session you would see the same beauty with the curtain raises are people that have just started sometimes sometimes the people performing on like in the grand hall that night in front of 500 people was it was the second time I met them sometimes it was the first time I've only known for two hours <laughs> and they'd be like are you up for it I chat to the parents do you want to come and yeah right then and they'd come out and have people screaming and crying and saying <laughs> sometimes it'd be like that was the best part of the show yeah well they just done it for the first time yeah and that yeah, I mean that's because it's just amazing. seeing young people in their element doing their thing is is also amazing, isn't it? Mm-mm. What needs to change about? I mean, I think I I think I learned from you and I learned from the academy that we should have had loads of academies and lo- you know if you look at the percentage of the, the work at Batsy, you know it was the it was we did we did more work I suppose on the sort of you know presenting shows and presenting other people's shows and. You know, playing the game across London of trying to kind of present work that was national or internationally touring and all that stuff. And I, and when I look back, I just think about how much more. I, my question I always ask myself is how much more we could have done, how much more homegrown. Literally, I mean, homegrown was the title of Batsy <laughs> Art Centre's uh, Young People's Programme, but literally and metaphorically, how much more could we have done? And but, but forgetting Batsy, what 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 does cultural institutions anywhere need to do to? shift the dial so that more of this work happens um i think put more faith you know in the in what they would call the whereas participation or community work or mm. that, that that term is not helpful even it's mm. work it's mm. art it's performance mm. like that is the you know the if, you, if 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 they see frankenstein or i can't you know a lot of other shows where people really enjoy with that aesthetic it's coming from that place. Some of these other adult artists are using people in the R and Ds to create work. You have it on your doorstep. Mm. Um, I think it's been believe, amazing uh, to me since Frankenstein how many uh, four or five other theatres that I've spoken to in London who sort of said, "Yeah, we really want our own Frankenstein." I don't yeah, know if that's yeah, something yeah. you've heard people say, but people say like, "Oh, this is oh, this is our Frankenstein," and mm. I find it funny to say it to me. Like, like <laughs> but it's great. It's it's it's, it's, it's great because because it means that they're trying to engage the young people and like do the same thing that hopefully that's what that means. But the Frankenstein is the end point that what, what's worrying about that is that is this, this the mm. Academy. That's mm. the main important thing to me. What they need to do is let artists do what they do and leave it alone. Also. I think that there was a long time when there was a, enough support to be supported, but there was like a Goldilocks period of where like most of the time was doing what the hell we wanted. <laughs> and, um, Anyone can come on a Thursday night, but actually, it, a lot of the time, would being able to just in, in do this this practice of, of of what we want and be entrusted to do that and left alone. There were some problems. I can't say it wasn't always easy, mm. um, but the the good things were the fact that it was just 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 let us do this thing mm. and really believe in it. And it will look different to 
a process you would have seen in the other companies in the building. It will look different to what you learn maybe at uni. You told me before that producers would sometimes come in and ask you to do, like, do, could you do something different this week? Because, you know, they'd yeah. seen, which that which was, felt, felt uh, like just not right in terms that of... That was the hardest thing, is it was like, they always want novel things, mm. always novel things, mm. and... It's really frustrating because this isn't... It's Which just, is sort of nuts to say because Frankenstein, as an end result, is probably the most novel, innovative, unusual show. Yeah. But it comes through repetition. Rep rep repetition. And the kids, you know, do the um, you know, the, the foundation beat. Mm. We're going to do this game. The things that we repeat over and over mm. and over again. And we would throw new things on there, but it'd be more like a slow evolution of building things on that work, that work. Part of that is because of the art we're creating, it helped that. But it also was partly to give a routine to mm. young people that come. And it means that anyone can come at any time. If we always do the foundation, if we always do the fundamentals, mm. it means that someone can start this week and always start. We're always at a starting point. And it works because we, you could pull any of the kids out and make something now. Very, mm. very good, very tight. And even someone who's just come because they have some of that grounding. Whereas the producers would want something for them. Mm. It reminds me when I watched um, Knee High rehearse for the first time and I remember watching Emma Rice working with the company and basically they, they, it's, not, it's not a dissimilar thing in that they would basically just play the same routine of games for about two and a half to three hours and then you'd be like, are they going to like do it, do anything? <laughs> and then yeah. like maybe just for the last hour they'd, they'd work on the show that they were working on, coming straight out of those games. But it, it, it was like, but that was the whole point. And I just think about like when you go in and, as you said, sort of participatory programmes or whatever, that, you know, you, we, the number of times you throw new things at people and actually yeah. sometimes what is most important is to, going back to the beginning of this conversation where you were talking about that meeting in Gloucester, is to, is to just create some kind of playful pattern which people can sort of come to rely on can come to feel you know and that maybe that was also the chips for some of the guys in the but in the academy is that that that's the thing which people can hang on to and and you as a practitioner seem to be able to kind of conjure yeah i, I think the repetition is very important as long as it isn't you know they're enjoying it and having fun mm. it's not being afraid of the process i think a lot of artists talk a good game when they talk about process and about believing in it I just really trust that but often they throw it in the water and they'll keep introducing new things, new things, new things. I don't impose anything. I don't come and have an endpoint I want the, them to get at. So if they come and do something that sometimes they do do genres or things that I think you know, they, they might not be to my taste. Mm. But that's okay. That's all right. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm listening. I'm thinking, well, okay, this is something. This is something a bit new. And all of them, they're all getting super excited. And, and I, I remember. And sometimes I'll be thinking, this is rubbish. Like I don't like it. <laughs> But I'm I'm missing something. I'm in the wrong. I'm not going to say, wait, hold on. What I've learned is this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Because I've got 30 people telling me this is the most amazing moment they've ever had in their whole lives. <laughs> so sometimes it's just the best go with it. Mm. Um, I remember me and Hannah Ringham, I was, I was her assistant in YPT. And the same thing happened. She said to them that they can name the show anything they want. And that will be the name of the show. <laughs> and then so one kid says, oh, mind the gap. That's, now, the show was about the news. And it was about the news, how the, the media stories. And the next kid said, mind the gap. And then they're all like, mind, mind the gap, mind the gap. And it was like, the show's about news. Why am I, is this the worst title ever? And I remember look, me and Hannah looking at each other like, this is, because, and they're so, and it was like, what are we going to do? Because we both didn't like the title, but it was like, mate, they are so excited. And, and they had a reason for it. When we asked the young people, what do you think of when you think of the news? They would say, the tube. And it's like, the tube. Because that's where you get the metro. The mm. metro is free on the tube. <laughs> but what about any other news? No, the tube or the bus. And, and the first thing you think is mind the gap when they say that on the tube. And they were all like, yeah, that's it, that's it. And it's like, well, if that's, like, we're over sometimes, sometimes you're, you're wrong. Or, or, or you just, I yeah. think it's being brave enough not to impose that. Yeah. And so then when your adult peers come and watch it and they're like, comrade, how could you have let them do that? I don't care what you have to say because mm, mm. they they just think they they have just made for the first time the most amazing. This is the first mm. time this this pieces exist mm. and it's absolutely amazing <laughs> to them. Nice one. What are you doing during COVID? What has happened to your practice? You, uh, it, got, what's it been? What's it been like? A lot of stuffs cancelled. All, all the last stuffs cancelled. So mm. we should we should have just done Brazil. 
We should be doing Sydney Opera House. Um, so yeah, um, we are supposed to be doing something at the Globe. Mm. Um, other things have all yeah. disappeared. Yeah. But we've been doing sessions online. So Beatbox Academy has been going online. Mm. And I thought, you know, foolishly, you know, I'm not always, you know, I don't always know what's going to happen. I thought after two weeks, they'd stop coming. But the kids come back. They, they've been coming back the whole time. Mm-hmm. And like, they're like, you know, can we do it more than once? Can we do it? Two times, we do it three times a week. Um, and they're like, this is the best part of my week. This is the best part of my week. Yeah. And you're like, wow, like, you know, I understand it when it's in a building. I understand mm. it when it's like somewhere, you know, and we're giving out, you know, free sweets. But what's crazy <laughs> is about the building, without the sweets, about all that, mm. it's just a, this, an idea, an idea of a space where like you guys get to talk to each other and, and you all know each other. They could be on Zoom now all mm-hmm. chatting. Mm. But it's the fact that you need that central person, that, that uh, those people that they trust to come together, to bring this thing together. Mm. And, you know, I can't say that we're able to create anything fantastic over Zoom because the sound's not as great and you can't do stuff at the same time. But it's interesting that it shows that however people gob off about the importance of buildings, that it's the importance of people that brings people together because you're, yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, you, I'm, I'm like in my kitchen. You're the space. You're like yeah. kitchen now. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think one thing that that, that that organizations could do is empower artists more and understand that they they hold the community together. And the thing is, with me, is I'm, I'm from that community. I'm from this area. Um, you know, I might live in Mitcham, but it's it's not far from Battersea. That's my local theatre. And I felt that sometimes I did feel like you're not. If you just let me, well, I, I mean, I often did mm. do a lot of stuff. I, I, we had, I ran social media pages before BAC had any active social media. Mm. Always making like, look, look, I'm like, if you just empowered me a bit more, or mm. like, mm. And, and loads of other people like me in the building, we would do this for you. Like we, we, because we, we love it. This is what we do. Mm. Like um, empower the artists. Not, I'm not sure. There's a there's a, there's a, a whole kind of mush of like organizational staff and stuff that doesn't need to happen. Like mm. empower the artists. And everyone wins, the community wins, like, you know, the producer will, understandably, um, can sometimes they stop working at six o'clock. I don't want no emails, I don't want mm. this or whatever. But other artists that I know, you know, these are these are our mates, the kids that we work with. This is our community, like, people are messaging each other till 11 o'clock at night, you know, mm. and, and it might be shocking, that, okay, maybe the kids should be in bed, but they're going to be up all night, they're messaging me, I've got this new idea. Keep on going, keep on mm. going, because it's, mm. it's not a job, like... It, we're rewarded for it by doing it. Hey, it's my career as well. Mm. But like the, for the young people and for the adults doing it, it's what we do. Like let us let us do it, and we. I feel like we all win. More mm. things happen. More things happen. It keeps happening. Whereas sometimes I don't understand. It's like I have to. The, the kind of can I can I do this? And I'm asking someone who doesn't know about working with young people, doesn't mm. know about beatbox, doesn't know about hip hop, doesn't know about theater, my practice, uh, this local area even. And then they'll be like, hmm, let me just think about that. Hmm. And it can be like very annoying because it's like, I can't even, I don't even know why I have to ask you for this. Like, but you know, they, they might've just met you. They don't care about what you're doing. It's, and, it, and that, that's really frustrating because mm-hmm. I may be a freelancer, but to me, I'm also working for the building as well. This is, this is my community mm-hmm. or not even just the building. I'm working for this community. Like help me do this. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Don't block it. What do you think needs to change in terms of, I mean, you've, you've, very brilliantly and eloquently described a bunch of things there, but in terms of like the structure or the the way work is funded or the way that relationships work within the cultural sector, what we yeah, are, what if if you had like chief executive of arts council or uh, or this commission, what I can't remember they're called, the cultural renewal task force, <laughs> you know, what what are some of the things that you would say to them that need to change so that we have yeah more more of this work, which I passionately believe is totally life-changing for the people involved and we should and as a, as a cultural sector we should be doing a lot more of it so what what do we what do we need to do i mean it's a big question but i think that i think that artists should should be funded first i think that they should be in a position where producers are asking for them like mm. venues will get paid when those artists come and do that work mm. Mm. other than the other way around because the person that has all of the value is often on the back foot begging mm. Mm. and it doesn't it can it, it, you can get in a situation where it, it doesn't make any sense what if the artists were given the money and could choose where they went okay mm. well you know what you're not 
I, you're not helping me do what I do, so I'm going to go over here. And and maybe, you know, maybe uh, the money is can only be sent, spent on certain things or, you know, I don't know, like you have this amount of money to pay a producer, this amount of money to pay a venue. Um, but I mean that the artist will be in power. Imagine that, that the art, that the venues have to, instead of knowing that the artists are often going to be trying to impress them, you got to impress me. Mm. <laughs> like, do I really mm. want to come to you? Do mm. I really want to work with you? I love that idea. You commission the venue, not the, art, the venue commissions you. <laughs> that would be great. Imagine how the, the, the dynamic will completely change. Mm. Because again, it would be, wow, so, so Comrade, you're the person that knows about working with young people. You're the person that knows about beatboxing and rap. Not me, who just, I've just, you know, I, I just graduated from Bristol Uni. I've never listened to rap in my life. Uh, and maybe maybe you're the person that yeah. knows knows what you're doing. And to it would me, completely would... change the whole value set of what, what of what venues think of as valuable because venues would immediately have to immediately have to think what is what is valuable to the artist that we want to work with, rather than what is valuable in our five year strategy and our board thinks that we need to do and the arts council says we have to do and let's create a whole set of hierarchy and infrastructure and mush your word around that <laughs> yeah i love that idea i think that's that's a beautiful thing my abiding enduring memory of you is um in a beatbox battle which is an extraordinary thing if anyone hasn't experienced it it's where two beatboxers come together on stage live either surrounded by the people the you know the crew that are watching the workshop or are part of the workshop or indeed as we experienced in front of 500 people in the in the grand hall in Batsy and Sometimes the match would be to somebody's untrained ear like mine, pretty even. But sometimes sometimes it wouldn't be very even. And, you know, you'd have some like kind of world beating TV star beatboxing champion. And then, you know, an 11 year old from Balham, you know, knocking out some beats and being, you know, throwing their all at it. And, you know, in terms of a kind of musical achievement, in terms of technical achievement, it was pretty clear in those occasional instances where the, you had that disparity that who who won but what was what always amazed me is not only did you often declare it a draw but that you somehow <laughs> within the 500 people made it a draw that the, the audience basically backed the two equally and I, there was yeah. something about that that i always just found sort of kind of extraordinary that you took some you took a world which is often competitive in nature and created a a world which is kind of collaborative and collegiate in nature and yeah i thank you for that for for that for that those memories oh no thanks for thank you man for having me in the building you know <laughs> well we yeah. should have clearly been the other way around <laughs> where we should have been <laughs> you know desperately trying to fight for your fight for our right to have you work in the building so that you were deciding whether you wanted to commission yeah batsy art center or wimbledon theater or the South Bank Centre, and yeah, us as venues, we'd have to illustrate to you just how well we were connected to our community, how much we understood our community, and how much we understood also the word yes in terms of what you wanted to do and how we could support you to do to do what you wanted to do. And that doesn't mean we wouldn't then challenge you, but uh, I love the idea that we would completely reverse the polarity of that relationship. Let's see if it happens. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good note to finish. Thanks, Conrad. Uh, Cheers. We hope you enjoyed our first episode of Culture Plan B. You can contact us with any ideas for the podcast, such as get a new presenter. As soon as I finished interviewing Conrad, I thought of all the questions I should have asked him. I hope I'll get better at this. Email us at cultureplanb at gmail.com and do follow us on Instagram or Twitter for info on future episodes. Culture Plan B is researched and presented until I get fired by David Jubb. The editors and sound mixers are Ian Dickinson and George Dennis. The music is from Don't Tell Me by Conrad and BAC's Beatbox Academy. Communication support from Antonia Goddard. Original artwork by John Borsa. And the producer and creator is Matthew Dunster. Don't tell me how to speak. Don't tell me how to speak. Don't tell me how to love. Don't tell me how to fail.